Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tempe, Arizona. Coyotes lose to Toronto 6-3. They gave up a goal in the first two minutes. Then they gave up another goal two minutes later. That was called back for offsides. Then they had a five, a six men on the ice penalty with too many men on the ice. The very first faceoff, high sticking on Dumba, double minor. So Austin Matthews scores his 50th goal. And that was all in the first five minutes. Yotes are down 2-0 and they lose 6-3. They've now now given up six goals in their last four games in the first five minutes of the game. Of course, Andre Turney says, we're doing okay. The, the thing is, I don't think we had a bad start. <laughs> At some point, they will have a shot. What we need to say. Because we had a shot. We didn't score. That's, that's just one thing. And after, it's on us because we, we took penalty. <laughs> So we didn't have a bad start, but we took penalties, gave up two goals, and didn't score. All right, whatever you say, go right ahead. Coyotes are now on the road. They take on Winnipeg coming up on Sunday. The Arizona Cardinals made an interesting decision. They let go of Quentin Harris. He's the vice president of player personnel. He's been with the organization for 20 years. Why is that weird? Because the season ended a month ago, and they're headed to the combine this weekend. Would have been nice to do that a little sooner in the offseason, don't you think? Wish. Thaddeus Young expected to make his debut tonight for the Phoenix Suns. The second half of the season starts. The 17-year veteran says he's ready, and he says, I'm a great small ball five. He's going to add a lot of depth to the team. They take on Dallas to start the second half of the season in the Metroplex. Tip-off tonight, 530. UConn loses to Creighton. That makes the Antelopes the number one team in the country record-wise. They're on the road tonight. They take on Tarleton State. Tip-off in Texas is at 6 o'clock. 500 record, 13 and 13, 7 and 8 in the conference for ASU. That is one game better than the Huskies. Bobby Hurley, what have you guys been working on on an extended break? I guess the, the overall message is that there's got to be a response by all of us to do a better job to not allow the game to get out of hand. There's, and and we, we just didn't do that see what kind of response they get against the Huskies. They're home tonight, tip off at 7 o'clock. New athletic director, how are they getting along? Coach, have you already spoke to Desiree Reed-Francois? Yeah, yeah, no, I met with her uh, Sunday night for a few hours, and uh, I mean, she's impressive, you know, and, and I look forward to, you know, developing a great relationship with her and, and, and hopefully doing great things together. Hoops tonight, they were, they're ranked fourth right now. Huskies coming to town ranked 21st. Wildcats only a half game up on the standing, so it's a huge game. Tip-off tonight, 9 o'clock. Do you want to feel old? 
Guess who's playing a round of golf today, and if he finishes in the top 25, he'll advance to a Monday qualifier. If he finishes in the top three in that Monday qualifier, he'll play in his first PGA Tour event. 15-year-old Charlie Woods. And finally... Meet Harvey Johnson. He was under surveillance for drugs. And a police officer noticed suspicious activity, approached the car, saw drug paraphernalia. So therefore, he asked Harvey Johnson if he could investigate the car. Harvey said no. So then they got a search warrant. And when they looked inside Harvey's trunk, they found a rocket launcher. Wait, wait, a military-grade rocket launcher. So just a little bit of advice. If you're ever in Massachusetts and you're staying at a Red Roof Inn, look out for the rocket launchers. Unplugged Army, attention. All right, admittedly, that might be a little bit over the top, but I'm jacked up for our next sanctioned event at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're going to be there on February 23rd. It's a Friday. Noon is the official time for our first set of tee times. We've got the whole course from noon until 1.30. You got to go to unplugged at whirlwind.com. Click on the events tab. Normally playing golf in February at Whirlwind is $260. But thanks to Sweet Lou, we get the course for $109 plus tax. It is a tremendous savings and it's only available to those of us in the Unplugged Army. If you're not able to make it, I'm going to be eating kind of a late breakfast there around 1030. So I'd love for you to stop by Civilic represent or maybe get a beer with me right after the event is over i'd love to see you friday february 23rd at whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass feel the wind i'm janelle general manager of bell's nashville kitchen aka the whiskey wizard bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food we are a scratch kitchen with chef inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of arizona our nashville hot chicken sandwich now the drinks I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our Honky Tonk Brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. This is where the fun starts. And the reason why I say that is I have completely hung Isaiah Jackson Jr. out to try today as the producer of Doug Franz Unplugged. And not only is he coming through the clutch, but so will I to drive us to a beer Friday tomorrow and to celebrate at Siblick. Here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz Unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I don't, I, I don't know what happened yesterday. 
full disclosure, it was a little bit of a crazy day. Jennifer had uh, texted me, you know, the, the suit story from, from last week. Well, Jennifer had texted me, and one of the places that we, we got suits at two different places, and one of the places, maybe you missed the story last week. It's really simple. I, I don't own, I own one or two suits. One doesn't fit, and they're about 15 years old. Okay, it's been forever since I bought a suit. I hate sport coats. I, I'll wear a tie in a heartbeat. So I have a lot of shirt-tie combinations. But I don't have suits. I hate suits. Well, it's in the contract for me as the play-by-play -play voice of the Rattlers that I have to wear a suit. I think Kevin Guy did that to me because he, he has seen me dressed up wearing flip-flops. It does not say in the contract what shoes I have to wear, however. So I could do suit and flips. Will I do that? No, but I would like to just do it to alienate somebody, but I won't. So anyway, uh, we get uh, Jennifer gets a text that says the pants have come in and are ready for alterations. Okay, great. So she uh, she texted me at some point in the day yesterday and said, hey, please meet me at this place. Out, we'll meet on on her way home from work. Okay, great. So uh, I have um, I, I leave here at about one. I had a quick meeting uh, at two o'clock that went well. Thank you, Unplugged Army. And then I, uh, I went home and I had a couple hours before I was supposed to meet Jennifer. She was we were supposed to meet at 530. Well, I get set up. I'm, I'm going to watch a college basketball game from the night before that's on the DVR that I haven't watched yet. I, I get through three minutes of it and boom, I'm asleep. You know, when you when you get up as early as, as Izzy and I do, you, you, you take naps whenever you can get them. So I'm asleep and I get a text at about five o'clock that says, OK, I've left work. Don't forget. Uh, and I'm and I'm like half dead. Like, oh, no, no, no. No. So now I drag my butt over to this place. It's not a big deal, other than the fact of when you wake up in a haze, you're just exhausted. So last night, I looked, the, the coyotes started late. It's eight o'clock. I. I said, screw the world. I went to bed at 8.30 last night, which never happens, never happens. But that means I didn't see the Coyotes. So I got up at 2 today, and I watched the Coyotes off the DVR at about 2.15 this morning, sent all my notes to Izzy, then showered and got ready for work. So I didn't get here till like 5.30. Poor Izzy's running around like a nut job trying to get the show ready because I skewed my hours completely. So it's kind of an entertaining morning. But... That makes Friday that much better. When, when you hear me say, earn your pillow, that's what I mean. Work like crazy and then earn that pillow at night or in the middle of the day like I had to do yesterday. And then I was totally groggy. That was terrible. But hey, it, it, all, it all works out. How are you feeling today, Izzy? Are you good? Oh, yeah, everything's all good. Yeah. Do you really mean that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, today's, today's good. So far, uh, so good. Full compliment to you. iOS is going great. And I, I got to tell you, I could easily understand getting here at 4 and still providing the energy at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know if anybody understands how difficult that is. And you've, you've been doing it. Are you faking it? Or uh, do you have a caffeine rush at 1230? What are you doing to keep the energy? going yeah 12 o'clock is when i wake back up and then <laughs> I, I won't lie to you as soon as my credits hit oh man i'm done like, yeah, yeah it's a mental checkout i totally get it 
Totally get it. Well, you're, cr- you're crushing it. You're crushing I it. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So for those of you that don't know, uh, we have five hours of local sports programming every day. Because you go for an hour, right, Izzy, from one to two? Yep. It should be changing pretty soon, too. I should get my second hour back. Good, good. So you'll be from one to three. That's what I thought originally, but I understood it took a little second there. Uh, man, you're going to be exhausted come three o'clock every day. <laughs> yeah. So here's how it works here at WTSMTV.com. We've got two or uh, four hours of live morning programming for sports with me, Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, all the way from six to eight in the morning. And then Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestray take over with the main event from eight to ten. And then... We have various programming from 10 to 1 based on the day. And then you've got Izzy coming up 1 to 3. So please check it out. If you're listening to the podcast right now as a member of the Unplugged Army, you're the one that's carrying the family. I can't thank you enough for listening. But I'd love for you to advance and become a viewer of WTSM. Just go to WTSMTV.com. Check out the rate plans and figure out which one is best for you to be able to enjoy the show. And then you can watch the show in the morning if you've got a television in the house. You can still hear it just like the podcast normally, but then while you're walking around, you can check out me yelling at the chair or the, uh, shoot, the beer Friday sign. I always see it's on the right side of the screen. So I point with my right hand and the screen's looking at me and then I screw it up every time. So, uh, that's, what's going on here. Don't forget whirlwind tomorrow. If you have an opportunity, here's the plan. The, uh, the event is the tea times are shut down, but click on the events page. If you want to know more info or how to get there. So it's unplugged at whirlwind.com. Click on the events page and it'll explain what's going on. I'll be there at about 10 30 in the morning tomorrow for breakfast. If that's what's easiest for you to make as a sanctioned event, Hey, come for breakfast. That's great. If you want to stop by and try to get lucky in case there's a cancellation and get the cheap time to play as a member of the unplugged army go ahead but i i man that's that's for me that's asking too much i'm not asking you to do that because i understand that would really stink you come up there with your clubs you're ready to play and then you find out hey there's no more unplugged army spots um but that there will only be some if there's a cancellation but the registration is closed if you are already registered check the site out later this afternoon tea time should be posted later this afternoon so you know when you're playing. So that's unplugged at whirlwind.com and you'll see your tee times on that, uh, on that event leak. If you're not able to take part in breakfast at Civlik or the golf, head over to Trophy for happy hour. Trophy Bar is located in Chandler on Queen Creek. So look up the address on Queen, uh, Queen Creek Road. I don't know why Queen Creek Road is hard to say, but look it up on Queen Creek Road. Trophy Bar will be there. I'll be there from about 5 to 7 and we'll be out on the patio. So if you're a member of the Unplugged Army, just walk in and say, I'm in the Unplugged Army. And the hostess will say, what? (laughs) And say, I'm sitting on the patio. And she'll go, okay. And then come sit on the patio with us. Have a beer, have dinner. Make sure you're being smart. Make sure you're being safe. What I mean by that is one drink an hour is safe. Don't go over that. Uh, if you do, that's when you run into DUI potentials, and that's just it's just dumb. There's no other way to put it. What you could do to somebody else's family, what you could do to your own family. So please be smart about it. I love to drink beer. I love being a part of a social culture drinking, but please be smart. Uh, I got a great email from Dustin in Pebble Creek offering me a ride. And Dustin, thank you. That is so cool of you. And on some situations, there might be a day I take you up on that. The problem is I'm going to be in the same car that I leave here for at four in the morning. I don't want to ask somebody to drive me here and then drive me there and then drive me there and then drive me there. 
That's a little crazy. Um, so I just, you know, have to monitor myself and not drink like I normally do on the course or when I have a driver. So I'll just pace myself like everybody else. But that's why I'm saying I love it. I'll, I'll admit it to you. I won't ask you to ever buy me a beer. But I love it, Unplugged Army, when we have an outing and then all of a sudden there's just a beer there. That is, that's really cool. But I'm asking you now not to do it because you have no idea how many beers I've had before. And I would hate to tell Jennifer, no, I'll be fine. I don't need a ride. And then all of a sudden everybody's giving me beers and I have to say, uh, honey, <laughs> will you drive from Goodyear to Chandler and will you bring a child with you so one of the girls can then drive me home? That would be great. Thanks. Oh, yeah, it's rush hour. It's all right. You can drive all the way here in rush hour. <laughs> that, wouldn't, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't really go over well with the wife. But now if you want to ask me, hey, are you good? Do you want me to buy you a beer? <laughs> then I'll, I'll, I'll do the math and tell you where I'm at. Um, I think that's, that's really it, as long as you know about the events of tomorrow. 10.30 breakfast at Civlik, uh, noon golf at uh, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, 5 o'clock happy hour, trophy bar, Chandler on Queen Creek Road. Try to hit one of those things, fit it into your life, fit it into your day. Trophy bar is a family place, so don't feel... Like, oh, no, I can't bring the family. So you can either, if you're an Eastsider, stop in on your way home and have one beer and go, or go back home, grab the family, bring them over for dinner, whatever you want to do, or go home, Uber, have plenty of beers, and then Uber back home. Whatever works for you, but uh, make it work tomorrow, please. And, uh, and let's have a great showing at, uh, at one of the three spots tomorrow for our sanctioned event. Um, I, think I'm, I think I'm loaded up. Anything going on crazy in your life, Izzy? Oh no! Everything's pretty much everything's pretty much chill. All right. So far, so good. All right. Well then, let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today is pretty fast because I understand it. I accept that this happens. I don't accept the timing of when this happens. The Arizona Cardinals um, either eliminated the contract or the contract ran out. I don't know which. But Quentin Harris is the vice president of player personnel for the Cardinals. He's been with the organization for 20 years as a player, a scout, and an executive. And he was let go. And to be quite blunt, because I went to bed early, I didn't do as much work last night. And so I haven't texted Q. His, you know, his nickname's Q. I haven't texted him. I don't know the details. So. This is kind of a wussification by me. Doug's big one, my number one opinion. And then I'm coming out with qualifiers, I admit it. But I want to talk to him and see what happened because maybe it's just now getting reported and he was let go a while ago. But considering the things I've seen from the Arizona Cardinals as an organization in the last two years, I don't want to give the Cardinals the benefit of the doubt. And I really don't like what happened here. Now, it's a matter of personal opinion of whether or not you let go of Quentin Harris, okay? I can't stand on the table really for that. I think he's a very good personnel man and a very good man overall. However, this happens in the NFL all the time, all the time. You keep somebody from the previous regime because the owner might say, I'd like to keep him. You assign him different things and either it just doesn't go great with him or You've been moving up the ladder uh, uh, your whole life, and as you move up the ladder, Monty Ford gets named a general manager. You have people that you want to hire because they've been great rocks for you, great people for you in your life, okay? That happens. And then maybe they're under contract and you don't have an opportunity to hire them yet. 
different things happen and now you finally have a spot where you can put people in the positions that you want them to go. That is 100% within Monty Austin Ford's power, okay? So even though I consider Quentin Harris a friend, I am not going to defend or attack letting him go. What I think is a crock is if it indeed happened on February 21st, I think that is asinine and ridiculous. And I'll stare down Monty Austin for it and say, you're no different than everything else we've seen from Michael Bidwell. I realize it's kind of a weird Doug's big one. I'm looking you straight in the eye and saying, my opinion is I'm pissed if it happened like this. And I understand if it happened like that. Okay. There, I just want to get it out there now how wrong this is that somebody gets let go a week before the combine. The season ended the first week of January. You could have had wrap-ups and everything else to, to get the information from Q's department for the regular season. That takes three or four days. And then go over his opinions for the draft, go over his opinions as the director of player, vice president of player personnel, and you could have cleaned that up well before the Super Bowl. You guys stunk. If you knew you were going to get rid of Q, you probably knew it halfway to three quarters of the way during the regular season. And now we find out at February 21st that you've let him go. And now he's got to scramble around with a family to find another job. I am jumping the gun a little bit. A better host, I admit to you, would have checked in to find out when did this become official, not when the report came out. That is my job as a talk show host, and I admit I didn't have a chance to do that. But I'm jumping the gun because I'm not giving the Cardinals the benefit of the doubt after everything else that we've seen them do over the last two and a half years. It has been really crappy in the way they treated people. If I find out that I am wrong coming up on tomorrow's show, I'm going to say it. Say, wait a minute. He was let go a long time ago, and it was just now reported. So therefore, I back off everything I just said. Please listen to tomorrow's show. But I have a major problem with letting him go now. That is not the way to do it at all. It's just unfair to people. He, luckily, he's so good as a human being and so good at his job, he will get grabbed quickly. But what bothers me is he's sitting here right now as a vice president of player personnel. He's a guy that's been interviewed for potential general manager positions, okay? So he's moved up the ladder. By this time, well-organized teams, teams that actually know what they're doing, teams that consistently win, already have everybody in place. So Quentin Harris is going to have to take a lesser job. He's going to have to take a demoted position with one of the other 31 teams unless he takes a whole year off, which I don't think is a great idea to take a whole year off, but maybe maybe he does. But that's what the Arizona Cardinals, in my opinion, have done to him by waiting this long. And I don't think you do that to good people. And I think it shows another example of why this organization is so backwards and why they struggle so much. We need to judge Monty Austin for it by the way he runs the draft and by the way he um, handles people, by the way he treats people. So far, I think he deserves an A in the way he handles the draft. I've never heard of negative things about Monty Austin Ford and the way he treats people before. And I realize I might have to recant tomorrow if this is much ado about nothing by people like me. 
I don't think that's fair that it's February 22nd today, but February 21st yesterday. And now it's time for Quentin Harris to go out there and find something, not the way to do it and not the way the teams that are successful do it. And that's not shocking for the Arizona Cardinals. All right. Got a lot to do today. I'm going to start with coyotes today. And the reason why I'm starting with coyotes, this is a, this is a sad organization right now. Okay. Not only are they butchering the, uh, the search, I, I will never look at the Tempe situation without being frustrated. Never. And, and I mean, on every side. I'm frustrated with the lack of educational skills from the Arizona Coyotes, and I'm upset that Alex Morello actually thinks he's got a good president. Your president should have been fired as soon as that vote came back, because if, if anybody studies that contract, anybody that was made between the Coyotes and the city of Tempe, there's no way you would have voted no. I'm not blasting you if you did vote no. Uh, there's, there's one great reason to vote no, and I've always said this. If you're a resident of Tempe and you voted no on that Coyotes arena because you simply don't trust the Coyotes, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I, there's, I get it. I totally get it. If somebody voted no for any other reason, I don't care what it is, any other reason, I'm going to say you were uneducated on the issue, but I'm not going to blast you for that. I'm not going to blame you for that. A lot of people attack other people if they feel like they voted in an uneducated manner. I'm not one of those people, and here's why. I believe the people pushing the ballot initiative, either side, it's their job to educate you. Your job is to work hard for your family. Your job is to be a great role model for your offspring. Your job is to be a contributor to the community. That's what your job is. It's other people's job, in my opinion, to educate you on the issues if they want your vote. They need to earn your vote. I admit I hold myself to a different standard. I consider it my job to study the issues. If there's an issue I admit that I haven't studied or I don't understand on the ballot, I don't vote for it. I don't vote either way. I leave it blank. I honestly have blanks on my ballot. And the reason why is I look at something and say, I don't feel educated to have an opinion on that. I will accept as a civilian the attitudes and opinions of other people and let them determine for me because I don't want to make a determination on something I don't know about. But I don't blast you if you think you know on what you want to do. That's, hey, that's the other side's job. The Coyotes failed so miserably in educating people, I blame them. But let me explain, that was a fantastic contract. That was so pro-Tempe. That was so beneficial to Tempe. And the people that tried to educate anybody to vote no were just simply dishonest people. They're, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't like to just blanketly say that about people, but there's no way you could have read that contract, understood that contract, and not thought it was a good idea for that parcel of land. We're not talking about whether or not billionaires should have taxpayer-funded buildings. That's an argument that's different. The reason why it's different, because it was that land on a piece of property that's got to go through so much soil testing and so much renovation before it's ever going to be built on. 
that it was a perfect deal for Tempe. Perfect. Those people lied, in my opinion, in trying to get other people to vote no. And I also believe there was a lot of political union dollars. If you're a member of a union, God bless you. I, I support you. I have no issues with you at all. But I don't like how unions take money from union people and then run political campaigns with it that are secretive. If they want to run open campaigns and say, hey, we're union local blah, 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 and we think this Coyotes arena is a bad deal because of this, okay, okay. Now we all know you're out there. But when you give money to somebody pretending to be a backyard group and say, hey, we'll help run your campaign, here you go. I think that's crappy. I think that's totally crappy. And your reasoning is, we want more union jobs to build this hotel. That's it? Why not let the people decide? You know, that's my opinion. You have a right to a different opinion. I just know, where's the building going on? Like, look at that plot of land. They said there were so many better uses of that land. Okay, that's the problem. Nobody's willing to spend the money to fix it. And Tempe, as a city, doesn't have the money to fix it. So you had somebody ready to take former land that was a city dump and turn it into something magical, and you said, no, there's better uses of this land. Okay, what have you done with it? Nothing. What's anybody going to do with it? Nothing. See what I mean? That's what they lied about, in my opinion, and that's why I'm bitter about it. But I still blame the coyotes, not you, as a voter. So I, I brought this up for this reason with the coyotes. Because they're in such a mess... I don't think you can fire the head coach. I don't. I don't think you can fire a head coach when you've got a mess going on above him. And how bad does it look when you are fighting like crazy to try to prove to the NHL you're a stable organization, try to prove to the NHL that Phoenix is a stable city, and then you go firing the coach? But if you're truly invested to give the team the best chance to win, okay, I got to ask, what's going on right now? The Coyotes lost their 11th game in in a row. That's not good. Secondly, here's what's really embarrassing. When you start games in the first two minutes and you're constantly giving up goals, how are you saying you're prepared? Now, yes, it's up to the player in the professional ranks to get themselves ready to play. That's their job as a professional. So I look at the players and I blame them But I look at the coach and I say, what are we doing here? And this is getting to the point of embarrassment. And the reason why I've turned on Andre Turney right now is in last night's game, and I understand you probably didn't see it, Coyotes, uh, they do, their ratings are, they were up until the 10 game, 11 game losing streak. But last night, they give up a goal in the first two minutes. That is a trend that's happened almost every game for, for, uh, for the last two weeks. Okay. So they give up a goal in the first two minutes. Then... A few minutes later, they give up another goal. That one actually gets called back because the Maple Leafs were offsides. But make no mistake, they gave up another goal. Then, still, terrible starts, five minutes into the game, a too many men on the ice penalty. And I'm not talking about your average too many men on the ice. I'm not talking about One guy jumps over the boards, a little undisciplined, a little early. Another guy is late to get to the bench, and the puck comes over to the guy that's on the ice just past the wall, and he touches it. Boom, six men. Okay, we got too many men on the ice. Listen, that happens to the best of teams. That's not what happened. The Coyotes legitimately had six human beings 
playing defense. I should say seven because they had a goalie in there. (laughs) They had seven men on the ice all playing at the same time. Now, first of all, number one, refs, what are you doing? How did you not call that a lot sooner? But there's literally seven guys in the frame. That's one of the worst. I mean, you it, that's an embarrassing level of lack of focus. And that is coaching when you're at that point with that many men on the ice. I would be a little frustrated with a soccer coach who had 12 men on the field for 12-year-olds. By the time you get to be 11 or 12, hey, let's, let's keep track of how many people are out there. This is... This is not your standard too many men on the ice. There were seven guys inside the blue line playing defense in the first period. It is so atrocious, I stare down the coach. So then the very first faceoff after the too many men on the ice penalty, Dumba gets a high stick, draws blood. Well, if you don't know hockey, when you get a high stick, it's a two-minute minor penalty. But if you draw blood, it's called a double minor. So it's like two successive two-minute penalties so if you give up a power play goal in the first two minutes now the power then that portion of the penalties erased but you start a new two minutes if however you give up a goal you don't give up a goal in the first two minutes it just rolls right into another two minutes so that's what it means by a double minor so now it's a five on three boom austin matthews scores his 50th goal of the year and it's two nothing because it's not three nothing because the goal that you gave up before actually luckily got called back So in five minutes, you've given up two goals for the second time in three games. You've given up six goals in the first 501 of the last four games. And you're on an 11-game losing streak. And the normal way to run an NHL franchise, and they're pretty quick triggers on firing coaches. You fire the coach. Like, that's it. That is it. This team should have been fighting for a playoff. Maybe not make it, but been right in the hunt for a playoff the whole time. And I wouldn't be this fired up if it wasn't for the way Andre Turney's handling it. Here's Andre Turney last night. If you could give me Turney one, Izzy. And here's what's so weird about this. How can you be okay with this? After every game, the last seven games of this 11-game losing streak, all he talks about is how good the other team is. Look, the thing is, I don't think we had a bad start. At some point, they will have a shot. Well, we need to say. Because... We had a shot. We didn't score. That's that's just one thing. And after, it's on us because we, we took penalty. All sort of penalty, which which we need to stay out of the box. So we give them a chance then to score a second and a third. But I don't think we <clears throat> we were off at the beginning of the game. Our forecheck was good. We had a few shots. And then they got they scored their first first opportunity. And then we, got, we took penalty and then now they score. So... That's uh, the, the, the discipline is the story of the first period. And then we crawled back. We showed a lot of character. We came back in the game. That was a lot of positive. And then, like I said, the, the killer gold started third. Are you kidding? I don't think we, start, we got off to a bad start. You gave up a goal two minutes in, gave up another goal that you were lucky that they were barely off sides, and then took two penalties and gave up a goal on a five-on-three, but you didn't get off to a bad start. <laughs> that, when you're that clueless to me, making excuses, and for the last seven games it's been these excuses of how good the other team is, well, we tried hard. We showed a lot of character coming back. Man. 
I wish I had a boss like Andre Turini. Hey, did you did you um have you closed any sales in the in the last six months? No, but I'm trying hard. You know, I'm getting off to a good start every day. Oh, uh, okay. Hey, uh, we have had a bunch of recalls on your welding. Like we we keep having this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm really I'm really holding the welder well. Okay, I, I'm doing a lot of other things right. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm tired of excuses. And, and for those of you that could care less about the Coyotes, start, sorry giving you this much Coyotes to start the show. But at some point, you got to start acting like a real NHL team. And a real NHL team, when they're in a fight for a new arena and they've signed a deal that's better for the city than it is for the team, and the president decides about three weeks before the vote, hey, why don't we start a little bit of a campaign politically to try to get educate people, and does a terrible job, cannot relate to people at all, feels like he's a a guy that is just too high on himself to really touch other people then you turn around you're on an 11 game losing streak giving up two goals a game in the first five minutes it's three nothing at the end of one you just look at it and say when are we gonna what are we gonna act like a real team you want people to show up you want people to support you on a new stadium and arena then start acting like a real nhl team and maybe that'll happen um sorry to real coyotes fans i mean uh, some of you have done all you can some of you have done all you can. Uh, I don't want to lose a team because I want to feel like we're a big market city. But at the same time, I almost feel like this is getting to be a drag on us. That we're being judged because the Coyotes are so terribly run. And it becomes our fault as a city. And people are judging across the country. Arizona or, or Phoenix can't handle a hockey team. And I was like, Have we really had one? Have we really been given a chance for one? Um, I don't. I now officially don't think we have, and it's uh, it's pretty tiring to me. All right, coming up next. Suns are going to look dramatically different in the second half of the season, but will they do dramatically better? That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Of course, as you know, because of the orange juice and the beer I drink, I am a picture of health. However, intern McKenna and Jennifer used to get sick all the time until we bought an air scrubber from Parker and Sons. Call 6022 Repair and ask about an air scrubber. It actually removes some of the germs, viruses, and allergens from even the surfaces of your home. I have zero idea how this thing works. Don't ask me, I'm not the expert but I know that hospitals use them. I also know at first Parker and Sons, they didn't truly believe it either. So they bought one, installed it in their home just to test it, to make sure that this is a worthwhile product that deserves the name Parker and Sons. They're thrilled with it, and that's why they offer them to you, and that's why I have them in my home. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. 
there's a USA Today ranked the current starting quarterback of every franchise and I don't I don't really get into list broadcasting there's just one guy there and and I saw that they had Kyler Murray ranked 15th okay and I like you know that's pretty fair and I thought that that was interesting because you're going to talk about hey this is the number one pick overall this is the Heisman Trophy winner this is a guy that got a huge contract extension this is a guy that's taken up about 40 percent of your salary cap and he's only the 15th best quarterback you know and I was I was ready to railroad the Cardinals on it and then this list has Brock Purdy at 16. And I'm like, all right, your list is trash. <laughs> I'm not saying, listen, I can understand if you're saying, Doug, all the things that Kyler Murray does, I still believe Murray's better than Brock Purdy. Uh, I disagree with you because I say, does, do you win? Okay, do you win? And Brock Purdy has yeah, a lot of weapons, but he understands how to get the ball to those weapons. And some of you might argue, give those weapons to Kyler, look what Kyler might do. Maybe, but there's been times in his career where he's had a lot more weapons than he did last year, and he didn't do anything with that either. So I, I, I would rank Brock Purdy ahead of Kyler Murray. So as soon as I saw that list, I thought, eh, never mind that. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything uh, with that list. Suns are in action tonight. Second half of the season starts in Dallas. They tip off at 530. And Thaddeus Young is the newest member of the team. And uh, I really like what Izzy did. Izzy pulled a little bit of a conversation with Thaddeus Young. I admit to you, it's going to, it's going to sound a little rough because we got this off of YouTube. Is it off of Dwayne Rankin's Twitter handle? Um, it is. It is. Okay, I want to give a, a sound credit to Dwayne Rankin as he does a great job putting everything up on his Twitter handle. The problem is he doesn't mic people. And how can we complain when we don't pay him? We just rip off his stuff. And, his, and what he's trying to do is just get you the information. But from a sound quality standpoint, especially if you're in the car right now driving, you're going to hear a lot of dribbling basketballs. So you might want to turn it up a little bit. But I think, I think this is great deep information from Thaddeus Young on what he brings to the table. Uh, some at four and then um, uh, small ball five. Um, you know, when you're trying to beat certain teams down the stretch, uh, you know, sometimes you, know, you have to go uh, with those uh, smaller lineups. But you know, I think, you know, with having me as a, it brings a different dynamic to the team uh, with my skill set, um, being able to kind of play off the doubles, um, get into the, the middle of the lane and make certain reads to, for kickouts to guys or being able to, you know, get, get my float off in the middle of the lane. And then uh, uh, defensive versatility. I think that's one of the biggest things too like I can guard you know one through five um, and then it makes us a more switchable team uh, with size and depth couple things there I really like what he said at the beginning and he wasn't arrogant enough to just say it so it's a little simpler here's how you basically when he was talking about um, the things he does offensively he just boils down to this I have a high basketball IQ (laughs) that's all he had to say What he's referring to when he says, I play off the double team well, he reads the defense. Nobody is double teaming Thaddeus Young, okay? You don't double team a guy making five points that's in his late 30s and he's been in the league 17 years. You don't double that, well, unless he's LeBron. But but you don't double that guy. But what Thaddeus Young does a great job of is he's always focused. So when you double team Book, when you double team KD, he plays off of that double team. He knows either where to spot up to be able to create spacing to make it harder to double team. 
and he knows where to cut. He knows where to go in order to take advantage of the double team. Sometimes it's as simple as watching the back of the head of your opponent, okay? If, a, if there's a double team, somewhere on the weak side defensively, there's a guy who in a sense is guarding two people because since you've got two people guarding one, you've got to have one guarding two. And that guy is reading the passer. He's reading where the double team or the guy getting double teamed is looking. So let's say for an example, Booker gets double teamed, okay? Now there's one guy on defense that's guarding two guys on what's called the backside, which is the other side of the court where the ball is. So he's watching Booker. He's trying to see where Booker's going to go so he can either jump the pass or at least immediately provide one-on-one defense to the guy who catches the pass. That's why you've heard the term hockey assist used in basketball. Booker passes it over to somebody. That somebody passes it to somebody to get an open shot. So if you can catch the defense scrambling around, you move the ball better. Well, here's what will happen to that defensive guy who's watching Book's eyes guarding two people. Booker's over here on the right. I'm looking at Booker, and I'm, I'm looking over here. And I'm going back and forth looking at Booker on my right looking at the two guys on my left, and I keep doing that. Well, if that guy for a split second focuses too much on Booker, as soon as he turns his head, boom, you bust it to the basket. You make that cut. That guy is now a step slow. You've moved before he knew you've moved. I don't know what you call it. I I guarantee you Izzy called it pickle. Those of us in the Midwest call it pickle. Some of you might have called it hot box, whatever you want to call it, okay? But you played pickle, all right, when you were young, back when you didn't play video games all day. And the way you play pickle, if you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, is we played between two clothesline poles. Maybe it wasn't a good idea for a bunch of kids to run full speed into a clothesline pole. (laughs) Not the actual clothesline, but the pole itself. But those were the two bases. You don't leave when the guy next to you throws the ball because then you're chasing the ball. And that guy catches it and tags you on the other end. You time it out that as soon as the guy opposite you throws the ball, you break for the other clothesline pole. That way, it's got to go from clothesline to clothesline. It's got to be caught, thrown back to clothesline, and then you got to be tagged. And by that time, you should be safe or you shouldn't be playing. But it's all about timing it out. It's the same thing here. If you try to go to the basket while the guy guarding two of you is looking at you, well, now he knows. So he goes with you. But if you cut to the basket while he's staring at Booker or KD during the double team, he has no idea you just went. So now you have cut to the basket. Either the guy notices late and goes with you, and that leaves that second guy on the backside totally wide open. I mean, nobody's there because you pulled that defender away. Or he doesn't see you at all. You're open for the layup. Or... Maybe he gets caught in between and now you got both guys open. Thaddeus Young is the guy that's good at reading the defense because of how you're playing stars. He's not that great of a player if it's simply five on five just dudes, okay? If you've just got a couple guys out there, if you've got five guys that aren't that great, he's not really going to break you down. 
but his basketball IQ is crushing when he's out there. So the first part of his statement, I'm totally with. Now, the second part, he said he can guard one through five. His defensive versatility is a gift. All right. He has the effort to guard one through five. He has the basketball IQ to guard one through five. He has the competitive fire to guard one through five. Yes, he does. Does he still have the lateral quickness anymore to really stay with a young point guard? Uh, sorry, Thaddeus. <laughs> I'm, not with, I'm not with you there. But you got the heart to do it. You got the heart to do it. So I'm glad you're still saying it. I can guard one through five. That's like me saying I can grow hair. You know, I mean, like, yeah, I want to. I'm trying hard. Ugh, hair. You know, I mean, I want it. It's, it's just not happening, Thaddeus. It's just not happening. Now, maybe a 31, 32-year-old point guard? Yes. Could you guard one through five at other parts of your career? Yes. I kind of think we should be saying two through five. Just an opinion, Thaddeus. Just an opinion. I'd love for you to prove me wrong. Now, what does he add? There's a lot of positives here right now for the uh, Suns and having him. They've got a lot of nice veteran pieces. And again, it's why it was a good move earlier in the year or, or at the trade deadline to make that trade and dump a couple people so you could pick up others off of the uh, buyout market. I, I think that they have done a lot to improve this team. I admit, I still don't think they're better than Denver. I, I realize Minnesota and Oklahoma City are the one and the two seeds right now. God bless you guys. Congratulations. I'll believe it when I see it in the playoffs. I still think Denver is number one. I think the Suns are actually number two in the West. No, I shouldn't say that. I think they're number three. I think the Clippers are number two. Not going by standings, going by talent and the things I've seen this year. I'll put the Suns at number three. And the gap to me is big. I think the Suns, did they close the gap? Yes. But that's like say, that's like putting me in a marathon, okay? Maybe I closed the gap in mile two. But, okay, what about the rest of the race? I'm not finishing, all right? I'm not finishing the race. So now you understand. Anybody can close the gap, but is it realistic? I don't think this team beats Denver or beats the L.A. Clippers in a best-of-seven series. However, I do think they're better, and I think it was a good move, and that's your job if you're James Jones. Make the team better, and I think he did. Well, Go ahead. Does, does, so no other team in the Western Conference scares you at all? Like you're not worried about anybody else? When you phrase it like that, I'm worried about all of them. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, the Suns, to me, have not played consistent enough basketball for me to say you're winning any series except two. Right. However, my expectation is talent and coaching-wise – you should beat anybody other than the Clippers and the Nuggets because I look at the other teams and I like I look at Oklahoma City, amazingly athletic, so many pieces, so many matchup problems. Yet I'm not trusting that young of a group to be able to come together and handle playoff pressure at this point in their tenure. Right. So I don't put them. So if it's if it's a series against them, I'm with them. If it is a series against Minnesota, I'm sorry. I'm being highly judgmental. I I don't think Carl Anthony Towns handles pressure in those situations well. I can agree. 
And I, I think he starts ending up settling and chucking up threes instead of like, like if he went down into the block and just crushed Nurkic, which I think he could do, or if he got some switches and it's his girth against KD down low, I think Cat would cr- just punish the Suns. But that's sadly, that's not really his game. I mean, it should be. He has it in his game, but he wants to prove to everybody, look at me, I can sit out here. And I don't think he can beat you from the three-point line four out of seven games. He can certainly do it in one game, maybe even two. But four out of seven, no. And since he doesn't embrace that, I actually would take the Suns over Minnesota in a best-of-seven series. Would you? Uh, over Minnesota, yeah, because I do think the only person that will show up and will give you 110% is Anthony Edwards. Yes. In that case. Everybody else, Rudy Gobert on the defensive side will help out, but that's pretty much all he got. So yeah, I, and then I it's four on five at the other end. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Anthony Edwards even gives me pause. I think athletically – this might be the craziest statement you've ever heard. I think athletically he might be the – top two top three player in the league but see that to actually trust him in pressure situations to not make it a one-on-three show i i think he would try to take it all on himself and think my job is to win the game and can't is he good enough to do that i mean yeah of course he can win a couple games in the in the in the clutch but i think he gets so so dogmatic into I've got to be the one to take this shot that then it's easy to take advantage of that and then he ends up forcing shots there are some guys that feel like I want to prove that I'm Michael I want to prove that I'm Kobe and then they force up bad shots in order to prove it they never even thought about moving it I mean keep in mind Michael Jordan passed it to Paxson Michael Jordan passed it to Steve Kerr you know if you're triple teaming me I've got to get rid of the ball and not take a bad shot if I can beat the double team, go ahead. You're Kobe freaking Bryant, okay? Right. But you've got to understand. And even in Kobe's career, there were times in his career where Kobe, that's a horrible shot. What are you doing? I mean, you you think you're Michael and you're forcing stuff. The defense won that one. Give it up. Jordan actually understood, okay, the defense won that one and I'm giving it up to Kerr or Paxson and they hit killer shots and, and won championships that way. I don't see Ant-Man really understanding that at this point in his career. No, and I think it's going to take him a little bit, a little while longer as well. And he might, a lot of people are saying that he might have to leave Minnesota, but that's what years down the line yeah, on top yeah. of that. But I, I would, I'm terrified of this game tonight. Like I'm terrified <laughs> of the Dallas Mavericks. They got a whole lot better. The defense, the defense is stacked. Their bench is stacked and they're only one game behind. So yeah, that, yeah. That, that's a team that I'm also terrified of. That's a, it's a great opinion. I, I struggle with the Kyrie factor. I I just think Kyrie, he reminds me in a way of, I, I've always been bitter with Russell Westbrook, the player, not the person. I have heard, I don't know Russell Westbrook, I've heard enough people tell me, this is one of the best human beings to play basketball. The things he does for charities that nobody knows about, he's supposedly, this, this is a weird way to judge somebody, he's supposedly the best tipper in the NBA. The way he treats servers and other people that come in contact with him, the guy's an amazing husband, there's so many things that the human being you've got to talk 
talk positively about Russell Westbrook. The player drives me absolutely insane. The whole time in Oklahoma City, it's proving to the world I'm just as good as KD. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. And then in all of his other stops, it's let me stuff all of my stats. Well, what about winning? Well, you can see I'm trying to win because look how hard I push the ball up the floor. All right, but do, have you ever decided to play that hard on defense? Well, do you see how hard I'm pushing the ball up the floor on offense? Okay, great. That's to get stats. Uh, how often can I trust you to stop your guy? Oh, when there's two minutes left in the game, I work really hard on defense. Oh, okay. Thank, good to see you here. I'm glad, I'm glad you've showed up. That's my opinion of Russell Westbrook. And I kind of have that same feeling of Kyrie that he'll never play defense and it's always going to be about him. And the one time he was a little bit of I'll accept being number two was early in his career with LeBron and what happens they win a championship and then what happens after that he needs to get out because he doesn't want to be there anymore with LeBron you know that to me is Kyrie people have said he's matured greatly he's not even remotely the same person I'm gonna say show me If, if it happens this year in Dallas show me so that's why I I shouldn't say I don't believe in Dallas when they've already smacked the Suns in the face when the Suns are up 2-0 in a series. I've seen it. But I Dallas doesn't worry me to the sense that I think the Suns can beat it. Now, back to your first question. I'm not surprised if any of these teams we're talking about beat the Suns. I, they, what have the Suns done this year to impress anybody, you know? I, I, I'm not bragging about the Suns, but I am dogging the other people that I do rank them lower except Clippers and, and Nuggets. I would be shocked if the Suns are better than them in a seven-game series. I don't think they'll get swept. I don't think you can sweep Devin Booker, you know? He's just too wonderful. But – Win in five or six games? Oh, yeah. I, I could see the Clippers and, uh, and Nuggets winning in five or six. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you can sweep Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Uh, I definitely, I can see Devin Booker. And this is me not being a hater. I'm trying not to be a hater here, but I can definitely see Devin Booker getting swept. In a, and that's just for un, that's for unforeseen circumstances. Meaning, if they you know, if, like, if they didn't if, have KD, yeah, that yeah, just for unforeseen circumstances, like you know, which I'm not even trying to put up in there. Yeah, I'll but, easily take that bet with you, knowing that we'll I assume we'll never have to worry about it. Right, exa- exactly. But I don't I don't see Booker ever getting swept in his NBA career, unless unless he's like 36, hanging on, you know, something yeah. like that. But in the meat of his career there's just going to be a game where you're not going to be able to control him he goes off and and he does enough to will the team to one win but uh I, I don't trust them to really beat the Clippers. I, I think now that Kawhi Leonard is actually playing and and like focused and and how wonderful Paul George has been. Um, and they've and then they've also been able to. I, I think Zubats is good enough as a center to if you actually play through your center, he's a good enough defensively. And if you don't play through your center and you don't challenge Zubats defensively, I think he can tear it up if you. Have have a if you're playing small ball I think he's good enough to handle himself on defense against your small ball lineup and he will punish so I know a lot of people don't talk about clippers at the center position but I think it's one of those lost art things that can you stop him if you're really focused on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard if we're talking about building a team around Zubats okay I would fire myself from this show <laughs> I'd call it Doug Franz unplugged and hire a new host but when we're talking about a complete 
team, I don't think a lot of people can stop Zubats if you're trying to focus on everybody else. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I do have one final question, though, because I, I didn't mean to just throw you off the rails here. You you called that game Pickle earlier? Oh, yeah. I, I've never heard it called. Well, you're from the Midwest. You, you, the guy's in a pickle, and you, and like you're caught between first and second, and you're running back and forth. So therefore, you invented in your own backyard. What did you guys call it? We either called it running bases, or we called it pig because they wouldn't even tag us. They just throw the tennis ball at us. <laughs> <laughs> that was something that we. If you want to know, okay, this is old school. You're going to laugh that I know this. In the 1800s, that was legal. It was called soaking. You could throw the baseball at a runner and just and he's out even like even in real baseball major league baseball you could just peg a guy with the baseball up you're out and they eventually decided this probably isn't a great idea when guys are getting hit in the head and stuff like that so they changed their mind and they say now you've got to tag everybody and that was changed around the 1880s that okay you've got to tag everybody but no i never played it where you could throw the ball at somebody you had to be able to tag them because it was still a baseball game so therefore I'm shocked somebody from Indiana. Granted, you're not – aren't you close enough to Chicago that you're not really from Indiana? Yeah, borderline Indiana, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, that's really not true Indiana. I don't know how people from the Gary area feel me saying that. They might say, you're a crock. You know, that's why we're here. We don't want to be in Illinois. But Chicago's taken over that area. It's, yes. It's the whole thing. <laughs> it definitely is. But uh, are you – Are is, does um, the L come anywhere near you? The L? Yeah, the uh, the train. Uh, I, oh, man. I think right around the corner, right around East Chicago yeah. in that area. Yeah. So about, yeah, about a couple miles away. Uh, yeah. Then, then, yeah, you're Chicago. Then. <laughs> if, if there's a train stop close enough, you're Chicago. There's still a little meat on the bone left in the Charles Barkley versus Kevin Durant thing. Uh, number one, Barkley on the TNT alt uh, cast of the All-Star Game says Devin Booker's got to be the leader because Kevin Durant's a follower. Kevin Durant then on his own podcast being interviewed by his agent explains that he leads his own way he doesn't have to uh, give himself flowers or shower everybody with all the things he does on the inside so everybody knows about it well then at practice Dwayne Rankin um, caught up with KD to ask him about it and I believe this is the one Izzy you told me that the balls are bouncing everywhere and it's just really crazy right Oh, no, that was Frank Vogel. Oh, that's what we didn't use. And I I totally support you on that. So here is KD on his response to Charles Barkley. I just feel like a lot of people that's on TV that don't ever come to the gym, don't ever come to games. It's hard for them to speak on what I do when they don't, don't, they're not in here. So it's just part TV, you know, that they needed something to fill the segment up. And also they talk about some negative you know, but you're not in the gym. I don't respect your opinion. You're not in the gym with me. That's just what it is. Wow. That's strong. Number one part of that. There is a a lot of people that are actually in the arena. The famous quote from Theodore Roosevelt. People that are in the arena that assume people not in the arena. They always like to go to this line, making stuff up to fill time. That's what they think a lot. Hey, there's 24 hours sports network and you've got all of these yelling shows. So you've got to be able to say, you know, da, 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 da. listen, is that true? Does that happen? Yes, there are some, but it is much more rare 
than what people than what players think. Much more rare. Charles Barkley does not say some blank as as uh, I don't know if I I didn't ask you to turn on the 360, but will you turn on the 360? Is he like you have something like that where Charles Barkley will say and, and just as uh, as Kevin Durant says, you know they say some and, and then they're just filling time. No, Barkley says what he thinks anytime. He's not filling time. Because I have been, I have only been around Charles once in my life. Okay, I, I was shocked at. I shouldn't have been, but the one time I was around Charles, he's Charles. I mean, it doesn't change. I was, I was, I wasn't emceeing. I was invited to an Eddie Johnson event, and uh, and then Eddie was nice enough to consider me a VIP when I don't even have a job. Thanks, Eddie. And so I'm in the back, and it's so funny. I'm talking to Jeff Hornacek. Then I'm going over here talking to um, uh, Tim Kempton for a little bit. And then I'm coming over here talking to Tom Chambers. And and then I'm talking to uh, Tom Leander. And I'm bouncing back and forth between players and media. Getting to know. And, and everybody's kind of scattered around this back room. But, man, I'm having a good time. Charles comes in. Suddenly, all the little pockets of people, gone. <laughs> there's literally a circle of 25 people around Charles Barkley. I mean, it is just instantaneous. You're a part of it. And then I uh, went in and somebody was so cool. I forget who it was to introduce me. I think it was Tim Kempton because honestly, and I'm embarrassed to say this, I had never actually met Charles Barkley. And the reason why I'm embarrassed is 17 years here in this city. You know, by that time, as a guy that was supposed to be important on Doug and Wolf, I should have, you know, been able to introduce myself to Chuck by that time. But every time we've been in the same room together, I just felt like that's cheeseball. You know, it's this isn't a moment to go do that or he's you know he's already got people around him or he's having a lot of fun with somebody else i'm not gonna go hi i'm i'm doug from doug and wolf and uh, we should be friends you know so i i've never gone up to him well now tk is kind of introducing me and he goes hey doug and I, I i don't know why i tried to go frank caliendo right there and and then i i said hey i'm i'm the doug from doug and wolf i don't know oh yeah listen to you guys all the time man what happened there i said I have no idea. He goes, well, you guys had a good thing going. And then boom, he's talking to me like we've been friends for 15 years. It was, the guy has an amazing personality. So KD, even if you disagree with it, you're wrong to think Chuck is one of those people that just fill airtime. That's his opinion. Now you can disagree with the opinion, but that's his opinion. I thought it was strong that KD says, I don't respect anybody that's not in our gym. And, and, and knows about it okay that's that's cool if you're Dwayne Rankin holding the camera hey KD respects me I'm in the gym all the time you know if you're Dana Scott that's good but KD he is just talking about but Chuck's just talking about what a lot of people think whether it's right or wrong that is the persona and when you have fed that when you used to have a burner account on Twitter trying to defend yourself that shows you are sensitive and that you do care Okay, that you care about things that you shouldn't care about. Right. You're you're there. You're there. Then on top of it, you have the same thing in which you bounce around from city to city. Instead of standing up to Russell Westbrook and saying this is how it's going to be in Oklahoma City, you go to Golden State. You had every right to do it. I'm not ripping you for doing it, but I am explaining guess where the reputation comes from.
Then you get there, you win a championship, a couple championships, but it's not good enough and you go to New Jersey, or at the time Brooklyn, you go to Brooklyn and the Warriors still win another one without you. But you couldn't lead the mess of you, Russ, and, uh, and James Harden. So then you come here. You have the right to do all of those things. But if you don't stand up, ignore the social media aspect, take a team, lead them to a championship that you either got drafted by or went before it was built and built it up and was there for the long haul, you're never going to get tagged a leader. It's up to you if you care about that. But you can't say you don't care and, and all this other stuff and then totally show that you do and totally run whenever it gets a little tough. That's that's different. So I love KD. I, I think he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I think you could make a serious argument. He should be the power forward on the greatest starting five of all time. Would I put him there yet? No, I wouldn't. But I totally don't mock you if you say, you know what? When you're 6'11 and can shoot like that, drive like that, and you actually try hard on defense, you're one of the greatest players of all time. You are a starter. I get it. I, I'm not going to tell you you're, you're nuts. But, KD, that is the reputation, and you kind of deserve it. Suns tonight, 530. Uh, good talk, Izzy. Thanks for jumping in there. Boy, this is crazy. I know this is crazy to do this. I'm going to throw you a complete curveball as a member of the Unplugged Army. I want you to listen to something that's five minutes long. That, that's, a, that's a big chunk. But I, I was so intrigued by this, I don't want to cut it up. I don't want it cut up. I want you to be able to hear it in its entirety. Nick Saban talks to ESPN about the problems of college sports and the things that he would change about college football and why one of the things that he, he's retired but moving into a position where he wants to be a voice for change in the game. And I have two opinions on this. Opinion number one is that's really fantastic. You should be a voice. You can do a lot. My other opinion is... Everything you're saying is going to be wrong legally. You don't get it. <laughs> and, and you're just wrong. So I want to say thank you and you're wrong at the same time. That's my opinion of the future role of Nick Saban. After you hear this five minutes, let's talk some college football. What's your opinion? Let's start with the simplest question of all. Why did you decide that this was the right time to retire? No, I don't think there's any good time, especially when you're a coach, because once you're a coach, you think you're going to be a coach forever. But I actually thought that uh, in hiring coaches, uh, recruiting players, uh, that my age started to become a little bit of an issue. People wanted uh, assurances that I would be here for three years, five years, whatever, and it got harder and harder for me to be honest about. And to be honest, this last season uh, was grueling. Uh, it was a real grind uh, for us to come from where we started to where we got to. Uh, took a little, little more out of me than usual. And, you know, when people mentioned the health issue, it was really just the grind of can you do this the way you want to do it? Can you do it the way you've always done it and be able to sustain it and do it for the entire season? And if I couldn't make a commitment to do that in the future uh, the way I, I think I have to do it. Um, I thought maybe this was the right time based on those two sets of circumstances uh, that, um, like I said, there's never a good time. 
but I thought maybe this was the right time. So there's no there's no illness. It's just the grind and the gruel of the season. Yeah, there's no illness. Miss Terry's fine. I'm fine. Um, but it was the can you sustain the season? You know, when I was young, you know, I could work till two in the morning, get up at six, and be there the next day and be full of energy and go for it. But when you get a little older, that gets a little tougher, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I was told yesterday you were interviewing staff members, potential staff members. Were you going back and forth even up to even up to yesterday before you made the decision about whether you were actually going to do this? Yeah, I was. Uh, it was a hard decision. Look, I, I love coaching. I love the relationships, the players. Uh, the thing that made it more difficult for me is I felt like it might be the right time for me, uh, but how it impacted the players, the coaches, all the people who work here in the building and contributed to the to the success of the team. You know, how would it affect them? You know, that was the hard part and um, that was the part that you know I kept vacillating on back and forth till I was on the phone at we had a meeting at four o'clock uh, I was 355 I was sitting in my chair looking at the clock saying you got five minutes to decide which speech you're going to give and I was actually talking to Miss Terry <laughs> right up until that time so um, it was a difficult decision what did she say to you in those last few minutes before you went and met with the team? Um, she said, I will support you whatever you choose to do. She said, I will work hard if you want to stay and do it one more year. Or, um, But that's the problem. You know, when you get my age, it's inevitable that it's coming at some point in time. This year, next year, the next year. And I didn't work want to work on a year-to-year -year basis. I don't think that's fair to your staff. I don't think it's fair to the players. I think you need to make long-term commitments to people. You know, it's always been my goal to help people be more successful in life, the players involved in the program. And, you know, you can have two kinds of, you know, you can have a record and you can have a legacy. And your legacy is more, how did you do it? And what I've always tried to do and want my legacy to be is you helped a lot of people be more successful in their life. I don't know for sure exactly what the legacy is going to be, but that's what I'd like for it to be. College football's changed a lot in the last few years, whether it's transfer portal, NIL, all the things that are different. What effect, if any, did that have on you as you were evaluating what to do next? It did not have any effect on my decision. But I will be dedicated to college football and the future of college football and trying to make um, that sport, uh, as well as other sports in collegiate athletics, whether they're revenue producing or not, because I think they all create opportunities for lots of people, um, I'm, 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 I'm going to be um, an advocate for trying to make the game the, as good as it can be. How do you think you'll find satisfaction in the competitive spirit that you have in the aftermath of coaching? Well, I'm going to keep working. I mean, I, I, I don't want to get up and watch Netflix. I mean, I want to do something. <laughs> you know, I have some businesses. Maybe there's some other opportunities out there for me somewhere. But um, I can think of one. But <laughs> well, go ahead. And, and I, I, I'd probably you know, like to do that. But, you know, somebody told me once, you know, you can't start a broadcasting career when you're 80. <laughs> <laughs>
we've been in the presence of greatness, and we're grateful for it. Appreciate you, man. Well, I thank, I thank you for saying that. Um, but a lot of people contributed to that. So I hope that they all know that I appreciate what they did to create that. That's courtesy of, of ESPN. And the fact that there's, there, there is talk that some people want him to become a commissioner of college football. And in a long-ranging interview, he also talked about how the legalities are a little bit beyond him. He said that's for Greg Byrne, former U of A athletic director, who's the, the Alabama athletic director, and other people. And, but he talked about the mess of NIL and things like that. And I'm looking at the scenario, and I I hope you don't think I'm a hypocrite. I have totally flipped my opinion over the last 10 to 15 years, but I think it's okay because I think the adults that run college football showed their hypocrisy, so they pushed me to the other side. There's a great line in politics, and no, I'm not getting political with you, but uh, Ronald Reagan used to be a Democrat. And, and no, I wasn't alive when this happened, but in the 1960s, in the late 60s and, and 70s, I think it was maybe the mid 70s, so maybe I was alive then. But at some point in his life, he flipped to become a Republican. And when challenged on it, like he is a guy that can't set, set things straight, he said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. And so he's saying they moved further to the left, so they left me in their movement. And I look at this same, I'll use that same line when it comes to college athletics. I was never in favor of paying the player. I thought getting a totally free education was worth you being able to be an athlete, to be set up for a potential professional career, but having the backdrop of a college education to go with it and the fact that those educations were unbelievably expensive, I thought, suck it up. You shouldn't get paid. And then all the stories about it's unfair because I can't afford a hamburger and I'm doing this and all these people are buying my jersey and I can't afford a hamburger. Actually, you can. You could decide not to play college basketball, play college football, and you could go get a job. And then you can buy all the hamburgers you want. Or if you want to be a professional athlete right now, you can go play college basketball in Europe. You could go as an 18-year. There's 14-year-old professionals in Europe. Go now. And in every sport except football, you could go immediately. So I thought the system was fair. Then adults started to change it, and it started to be so money-grubbing all of the time. And as they converted the sport to this massive billion-dollar industry in which the players were getting nothing, then it was like, okay, now wait a minute. Now you are taking advantage of kids. Now you are stepping on them. This is getting ridiculous, and you're not doing more for them. So I flipped because I feel like football left the model and then had the gall to go in front of Congress, to go in front of courts and act like they're not doing the things that they're exactly doing. And then too many people involved were too stupid to see Mark Emmert was a fool in the way that he ran the thing. That alienated me, so I'm like, hey, I'm out. I'm changing my tune on this. So that's my feeling. And Nick Saban's not going to be able to get around the actual law when he tries to say the NIL is messed up. I look at that and say it is. 
I think it's wrong that kids don't learn from a Mike Berkovici and don't understand to handle their adversity, learn from it, and overcome it with work ethic versus, hey, let's just jump over here. Hey, let's just jump over here. I think that's wrong for the kids, but I think it should be legal. Those are two different opinions because I think you should have the right as an American that's 18 years old, if we're going to allow you to vote at 18 years old, if we're going to allow you to sign up to die for your country at 18 years old, then who in the world are we to tell you that's not good for you? You shouldn't leave that college. Stay there. Well, the coach said this and he, okay, fine. You should stay. You know, I can tell you, you should stay as an adult in the room who's lived a life, I'm in my 50s, I can see what you miss out on when you jump ship all the time. I can tell you what you should do, but what kind of jerk forces you to do it, okay? Forces another American into something they don't want to be a part of. That's a crock, all right? That's where you have to draw the line. And that's what I think the Supreme Court is absolutely right in blocking the NCAA's ability to force you into things you don't want to be a part of. And one of the examples happens today. It's kind of interesting. Izzy, did you, I don't know if you're old enough, did you ever play um, college football, the EA Sports College football game when you were younger? You did? Oh, wait, your mic's not on. Your mic's not on wrong one yep okay yeah yeah did. okay so that game that game was incredible i mean it was it was kind of cheesy because you wouldn't have the name of the player but you'd have their entire description they moved exactly like the guy uh so you could be asu play jake Plummer. you could do whatever you wanted and then they had bands on it and it was a cool game and that was at the heart of one of the lawsuits namely by ed o'bannon a ucla basketball player That was at the heart of one of the lawsuits that says, hey, this is all me. Everything about this guy on this game is me. My jersey number, my height, my weight, my position, my my average score, my average rebounds, and yet... I don't get anything from that. How is that fair? How does the school have my name, image, and likeness? And every court said, you're right, you're right, you're right. And Mark Emmert and the NCAA kept going, that's not fair because he is an amateur and we, we, it'll blow up the whole model. And it was like, quit whining to us about your model. If your business model should be named illegal, guess what you've got to change? The business model. And they didn't want to do it. And they kept losing and they kept funneling more money taking money from fans, taking money that could have been going to players. They kept saying, we can't afford for you to change college athletics. And what could they afford? Legal fees to keep this lawsuit going. That's like, how hypocritical are these people? That's why I changed. Well, today, if you are a college football player, you get to make a choice. You can either take $600 and sell your name, image, and likeness to EA Sports, and they create a character that is you. It doesn't matter what school. My beloved Ohio Bobcats, those kids can take 600, if, if they're actually on the game. There's a chance you don't have max schools on the game, but I think they do. You can take $600 and get a free copy of the game. I think tons of kids are going to, who would say no to $600 in a free game while you're in college? Like, who's going to do that? Then, if you're an elevated player, if you're one of the better players, okay, like a Caleb Williams last year, 
you then will sign a separate contract and actually be an ambassador for the game. You can make a lot more money in NIL. And with the popularity of that game before and EA Sports having all of these years to make it legal and to build up the hype of this game, I think this thing is going to explode. I think this game is going to sell like crazy and the players are going to benefit. But if you do say no, guess what they have the right to do? They do have the right because they've offered to create a generic avatar that's your height, your weight, your number. Because that is officially been decided is the property of the school is name that part of name, image, and likeness because you were offered to be paid. You had the choice, turned it down. You can't now go back and sue and say, I should be paid more money for that. So it's really interesting how all this goes. Now, the other thing you need to know about college football They've, they've moved to a 12-team model. And I, there's a lot of people that strongly think Notre Dame is getting screwed in the 12-team model. Let me be the first person to say, I don't think they're getting screwed at all. Here's how the 12-team model works. They're going to take five conferences that are the highest-ranked conferences. Actually, I have not read anywhere. And Izzy, if you've read it somewhere, please rip me. Uh, I have not read it anywhere how they're going to rank the conferences. Okay, I don't know that. I know that I know how they're going to rank the teams. I don't know how they're going to rank the conferences. But having said that, take the top five conferences and whoever your champion is, you're in. Okay, you're in. So now you are in the tournament. Then what they do is they take the top four conferences and you're ranked specifically one through four. Then after that, they take seven teams and the top ranked seven teams that didn't win their conference are thrown into the tournament. And then you seed it five through 12. When I say five through 12, you you might say, well, wait a minute, that's eight teams. Yes, it is. The one conference champion that didn't finish in the top four is now just thrown in with the rest. So if you are a conference champion of the fifth best conference in college football, but you're ranked as the 15th best team, then you get ranked number 12, okay? Because that's the bottom spot. So wherever you are in the rankings, that's where you get thrown in. Here's why I say Notre Dame didn't get screwed. The only way you get ranked in the top four to get a bye in the tournament is if you are playing in a conference and you win the conference championship game. That means Notre Dame in this model will never get a bye. And a lot of people say that's terrible. Notre Dame could be the number one ranked team in college football and they are now ranked fifth. That's unfair. Well, number one, how often is that going to happen that they are truly ranked one through six during a season? Okay, number one, we're, we're, we're going crazy about something that rarely happens. Number two, even if it does happen, they play 12 games a year. We're talking about a group of teams that were forced to play 13. They played their 12-game season, and they had to win a conference championship game in order to be ranked one through four. Why shouldn't we take teams that have won or played in 13 games and rank them higher than a team that has played 12? So Notre Dame's 13th game will be the first game of the playoff. I think that's fair. And if they're truly one of the top six teams in the country, they get an advantage that the other four teams didn't get. Their game 13 is in South Bend. They get a quote-unquote championship game. Their 13th game is a home game 
while the team that won the SEC, the team that won the Big Ten, they played a non or they played a conference game at a neutral site for the conference championship game. To me, it makes perfect sense. Now, if Notre Dame wins that game, and the game, the only way they're being penalized, according to people, is if they finish one through four and don't get a bye. Well, they got the home game, and if they finished. Uh, below number six, seven through 12, they would have had to travel on the road anyway. Game two of the playoff is round two is not at a home site. It's at a neutral site. So it doesn't matter that Notre Dame finishes first overall. They got, in a sense, a free home game to take that gate and then had to travel to a neutral site for game two. Big deal. I think it's advantage Notre Dame. I'm like the only one that thinks that. I think it's an advantage to Notre Dame. Now, here's what's gotten crazy. They're actually talking about going to a 14-team model after two years. This contract they've, that, that, uh, that starts two years from now, or that ends two years from now, the one they're in right now. So, therefore, they've got to have a new one. They want to go to 14. You know why? Again, let's go back to the previous conversation. The SEC and the Big Ten run everything now, and they want to make sure there's enough access for more more of their teams to get in so if it's supposedly all about the student athlete if it's supposedly not about the money then wouldn't you keep it at four teams wouldn't you be worried that college football now starts in july and ends in february it's about to end in february isn't that a terrible thing isn't that horrible for those kids if it's all about the kids yeah see what i mean that's why people like me have flipped all right coming up next We've got a lot of college hoop to do, and we've got to do it kind of fast. But I got a lot on my mind to talk about. Let's talk about ASU and U of A and their games upcoming tonight. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. right to it got a lot of college hoop i want to talk about and keeping it local since u of a's game is much bigger than asu's but since i'd spent so much time on u of a yesterday let's start with asu until we run out of time uh they take on u-dub tonight games in tempe uh bobby hurley what have you seen practice wise how did they have the guys responded from losing by 45 in a rivalry game uh, Sunday was uh, Saturday was really bad. Sunday was probably equally as bad, um, just in terms of uh, you know going over the film, watching it. It's typically a uh, an off day on Sunday after a Saturday game, but uh, you know we, we give one day off uh, a week. But we flipped days, uh, took Monday off, and everybody came in on Sunday. We. You know, it was more mental, I think, than physical. It was a physical part of it on, on the floor in practice, but it was more just watching it and, and seeing the uh, the mistakes that were made, trying to learn from it. Mm. There were multiple, and some of it was effort. 
that's my opinion. Bobby, what's yours? What disappointed you the most? I would say something that's kind of plagued us this year and, and uh, in these games have been have been stretches where uh, you know we shoot ourselves in the foot and, and you know whether that's uh, at Oregon we're up five have momentum and then you kind of see an entirely different team start playing in the second half or uh, in this case uh, you know we had played pretty well early and and it was 24 23 and then all of a sudden we you know, we, we started committing turnovers and, and we weren't getting back on defense. And I mean, some of the things that, yes, we could control, our, Arizona had a lot to do with that. And uh, so you watch some of the stuff, you know, we couldn't, you know, after rewatching it, you just, I mean, I don't know how many teams are going to be able to defend Caleb Love if he could make a, a 30 foot contested three. I mean, I don't know what defense you could deploy to stop that. Or, you know, and then uh, you know, and just Balo's big and experienced, and he got a front court in foul trouble, and, and so there were a lot of reasons that that it got out of hand. But uh, I guess the the overall message is that there's got to be a response by all of us to do a better job to not allow the game to get out of hand. There's and, and we we just didn't do that. Let me. Let me totally disagree with Bobby Hurley uh, on something there. By the way, I did not give a sound credit to Devil's Digest, so free plug Devil's Digest and their YouTube channel where we got the Bobby Hurley. Here's what I disagree with Bobby on. I don't like the excuses of, hey, what are we going to do when Caleb Love is shooting like that? Okay, Ballo's tough. That's all true. And if a team is giving maximum effort – I have zero problem with a coach saying they're better than us. Hey, I like what we tried to do here. I like what we tried to do here. We gave the effort. They, U of A played great, and, and we lost the game. I'm actually okay with that when you've given the effort. What, the reason why I'm getting a little frustrated with Andre Turini lately and now Bobby Hurley is when you try to explain how good the other team is while your team isn't getting back on defense, while your team isn't finishing your checks, while your team is doing unforced turnovers. That, to me, that's why the other team's beating you. Now, yes, I think if U of A plays good not great but good and ASU plays as hard as they can I still think U of A wins by seven or eight there is never a reason to find any positives in a 45 point loss to anybody (laughs) so I don't I don't even don't I don't even want to hear well Caleb Love or Bow no 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 you 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 that's what I want to hear um how how do you explain losing by 45 to your rival yeah, there was uh, you know, t- too much just a lack of, uh, uh, of rebounding, getting back on defense, things that we should be able to do a better job of. So it was immediately, I thought the best way was to get it out of our system was to all be there again quickly. And, and I thought that gave us the best chance to be competitive tomorrow. You know, the, we, we had to see it again, understand it's unacceptable. And then, and then try and move on. Particularly, you know what it means to Arizona State and and the fans, people that went to school here. You know, we're in a different era of college sports where there's so many guys playing at different schools that, you know, do they understand what it means for people to lose that way to that team? You know, and what it what it, how that stings. So there was something extra there that they needed to understand about you know what that game means and and 
you know, we I think we failed all of us in that in that way. I have so much respect for Bobby Hurley admitting that. And yet at the same time, how does that not ring, you know, drive the alarm bells asking, are you the right guy? When you admit because of the way people transfer, because of the movement of college basketball, it's hard for certain guys to know the way a rivalry game, what it means to the fan base, what it means to people. That's a you're 100 percent right. Yet guess whose job that is to be able to explain that. Like, listen, I, I will always say this. I don't usually blast coaches when their professional team isn't prepared. That's a player's responsibility. That's your job. It's not your boss's job to wake you up in the morning. It's not your boss's job to get you ready to weld. Your job is to do your job, okay? Now, does that mean that we're all immune to having occasional motivation? No. Good bosses find ways. But for the course of a season, it is not a pro coach's job to motivate you to do your job. In college, it is. Yeah. In college, it is. And Bobby, I I love that you were that honest, but gosh, it kind of hurts to hear you say our team failed in recognizing the importance of that game. All right, last one from Bobby Hurley, and then let's talk to Steve McCollum. It is uh, his breakdown, breakdown, breakdown of tonight taking on UW and what he's going to need to bring to the table in order to get started on the right foot. I think it's it's always a plus if we could do that. Uh, it doesn't guarantee anything. Uh, I, I, I'd much rather see us close like a freight train, you know, as the game is going on and just really taking over the game. Uh, and and you know, you, but you never know, like the impact of losing like that. How you know what what it does to your team and how they're going to respond. And uh, so we'll we'll know tomorrow. Knowing tomorrow, meaning that was yesterday's press conference. It's interesting with an athletic director, there's no doubt he's coaching for his job right now. Without an athletic director, I still think he's coaching for his job. Maybe a new AD comes right in and says, okay, boom, it's time for a change. I don't know. But if he continues to lose, then there's no doubt the first move of a new AD is to look for a new head basketball coach. So I totally believe he's coaching for his job right now, assuming the decision hasn't already been made. Because if I'm an alumni giving money, you got to you gotta ask me a lot. Why am I giving money to that basketball program that loses, that embarrasses my family losing to 40, by 45 points? And keep in mind, they were up 20 to 15, so they allowed U of A to go on a 90 to 40 run. And I'm going to donate to the program? Steve McCollum, uh, not me, nobody asked me for money because they know I don't have it. Steve McCollum is the host of the main event. Dale Hellestray will be on in in a little bit, and he joins us right now. Do do, do you agree with me on that, that when you don't have an athletic director, it's an assumption to say Bobby Hurley's gone, but when you lose by 45 to your rival, do, do people that aren't in charge make that decision for you? Um, I believe, well, he's coaching for his job just because you're not an AD, the prospective ADs, right? Are evaluating the situation I would from assume. afar yeah. and stuff like that. And look, it's never good to forget about losing your rival by 45. This is year, what, four of up and down, struggling to play. And, uh, you know, you could say I've made the tournament three years in a row. That's great. Uh, but you also did it in not fantastic fashion, up and down, just like you are this year. And then when you teeter on that edge of success, 
and you don't ever get to that higher level of success, that's where you get blown out. It doesn't matter if you've been there 30 years in a row and going to Dayton 30 years in a row. You I don't, gotta, You got to do better than that. Just so you know. I don't take it as a shot when you say just going to Dayton because of well, my you hometown. Should. You should. I Because, well, I don't take it as the personal shot. I do think it's a fair shot about college basketball. If you're well, achieving where you should go, yes. you should not have to go yeah. through Dayton. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Unless UConn, you're going for the pizza. UConn goes to. Uh, come on. <laughs> Did you really just say that? Yes. Oh um, I'd rather have pizza from uh, South Tucson. Man, to have Marion's and Skyline and Elsa's Mexican right now. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. You're craving Ohio. Okay. This is this is bad. <laughs> we'll move on from this because it's just embarrassing. You're, you're, you're bringing up Mexican food in Ohio hey, over, I, over I Mexican food in Arizona. I have okay. no idea why somebody would have left Mexico and thrown a dart at a map and said, I'm going to Ohio. <laughs> but the Elsa's family did, so therefore we benefit. It just can't. It can't be good. It can't be good. I've done a lot of traveling in the Midwest and the East, and I've yet to find uh, good Mexican food, unless it's uh, someplace from Arizona. Like Los Dos Molinos was in New York City, right? Manhattan. And it's like, oh, my God, finally, good Mexican. Okay, but, okay. Uh, but I digress. Uh, bad, Mexican in Ohio is kind of like Bobby Hurley here, right? <laughs> Where when you live there, you think it's great. <laughs> and then you get to real Mexican food, authentic Mexican food, and you realize that what you've been eating is garbage. The uh, One of the <laughs> one of my scout friends who uh, is a source uh, took me to a Mexican restaurant somewhere in South Phoenix that literally had bars on the wall. Uh, yeah, and I, the best ones, man. Yeah. I, and I mean, it was it was kind of scary. And he goes, don't worry. Don't worry. As I'm parking, I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. He goes, don't worry. And man, you walked in. And as long as your car was still outside, you had a fantastic. It was so good. Your car was still outside, wasn't it? It was. It was. Because even even the uh, bad people don't mess with the uh, the Mexican places down there. <laughs> I, I just I was a little worried driving there. But the food and the people, <laughs> no, those are, those are the I don't remember Mexican the name of the place, places. but the people were unbelievable. Well, South Phoenix, you said? Yeah. That's got to be like Los Dos Molinos or. It's got to be, uh, I mean, some people say ponchos. But, okay. You know, yeah, uh, it was, yeah. wherever I was, was fantastic. And the people were fantastic. Yeah. So I, I love, now. I'm Carolinas not used to be good. Now it used to be like, you were like, oh my dear God, like, uh, am I allowed to be in this neighborhood? When, uh, and you so go in there if you are the traveling, ever. what's the restaurant you brag about? about phoenix uh, i don't yeah i don't do that man because that's like it's stupid because then you're setting it up as whatever it just depends on what you want right you go fancy you can go chain restaurant uh things like that yeah no chains know? unless it's a local chain like local chains aren't that doesn't count that's that's still yeah the, yeah there's a bunch of those around right like like babos for instance yeah, okay yeah, uh, i i i like I, i'm i'm okay because that's a that's a local chain so yeah. i don't count that as a chain it's not like applebee's you know that's yeah, chain yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a that's a little different. <laughs> Babos is your example. Yeah, well, I just that, that was like Marley's too. Well, Marley's really isn't a chain yeah, anymore. I, I mean, anything that's a local, that's a Maricopa County with multiple locations. Yeah, no, I, know, I know what you're saying. Technically a chain, but, I, but you put Marley's and Babos on your list. I, I mean, just just they, try to uh, think of places with upgrade multiple your uh, eating clients eating places, man. Upgrade them. Well, I they were upgraded a while like three years ago. <laughs> they they they're not upgraded now. But hey, with Bell's and Burrito. Express exactly. and Trophy Bar. I'm happy. I'm happy. Exactly. Uh, I had Burrito Express yesterday, man. I usually go once a week and uh, 
man, that just fills you up, dude. I had it like a noon, and I get five o'clock. I'm like, oh, oh, man, I can't I'm imagine for dinner. It's a, how it's much amazing. money I would spend if I was a teenager or a twenty year old around a burrito express. Yeah. Oh my god! I, I need to talk to Angel. I'm upset about something. Oh really? Should I, should I bash it right here? Well, yeah, well, I'll 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 get with him. And what's <laughs> I, going? What happened? Get with him? I can get with him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Angel. True. Yeah, you, you've known him much longer <laughs> well, than I. I know him. Know him's a relative term. I went to high school. With. I I grew up with him. Played soccer with him. But yeah. yeah talked in 30 years yeah, but uh yeah. um but yeah man like places that charge for cheese don't have a problem with it charge for cheese whatever because i throw cheese in there yeah but i noticed yesterday they're charging five cents more for cheese than they did last time i was there <laughs> it's inflation on cheese uh, cheese doesn't cost that much. You get a giant bag of it, man. Yeah, you yeah. get a giant bag of it. Come on. I have the same problem with Burger King. That's my big joke, right? Burger King, you get a hamburger, and it's, you know, it used to be you know 59 cents. Yeah. But a cheeseburger was 79 cents. It's like, really? Cheese is 20 cents more? <laughs> really? Fake cheese is 20 cents well, look more? At what, well, look at what American Airlines is doing with, with <laughs> even more bag fees. It's crazy how yeah, far they're going. But, yeah, it's funny because I noticed it went up, which is fine. It's still dirt cheap for what you get, yeah. right? It was like $9 and 13 cents uh, you get burrito that fills you up for days uh but i noticed the cheese i just i just giggle when that stuff happens yeah no i, I uh, uh <laughs> you open I, the new location cheese goes up what that's a, you know <laughs> i i've never thought about that you've cost me money too because now i'm gonna ask for more cheese yeah uh, yeah no yeah yeah well i don't know about every burrito i get the steak and egg is my is my favorite okay, no onions okay. no tomatoes and then i add cheese to it and then oh, yeah, all right. I, like I said i don't get charged for what your stuff is it's if it's worth it just so I don't go to boasted donuts man i heard a dozen donuts of boasts is now 17 dollars yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't experience that, but somebody I know experienced that this morning. That's uh, and everything. So yeah, don't go to Bosa Donut, man. What's going on in the world today? <laughs> I, I, I have a new hockey coach. I heard your rant earlier on that. Uh, the uh, coach is gone. He's got to go. It, it's there. It's not the talent. Uh, it could be the talent, but it's also their undisciplined. I said it to you yesterday when yeah, we got off the air. You I did. said uh, Toronto's going. You should have a bet on Toronto scoring in the first twenty seconds. Well, I was forty seconds <laughs> off because it was a minute fifty six, but. Uh, it's just awful. It's just awful. They come in undisciplined. To they me, it was the too to many men on the ice. That like that, in, that's like, undisciplined play. Oh yeah. my god! And it was like I said, it wasn't somebody just jumped yeah. the wall. They literally had seven guys yeah. below the blue line. And that that's just uh, they've tuned out the coach. They don't care about the coach. The coach isn't doing it. And then his comments afterwards tells you it's a coach yeah. that knows he's about to be fired. You know, sometimes you said fire the coach, and I'm like Steve, relax. <laughs> this is like here. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with <laughs> fire you. Fire them all. <laughs> <laughs> event coming up every weekday morning from 8 to 10 and don't forget especially if you're in the unplugged army and, and you listen to the podcast or you watch uh, this on demand stay right here at wtsmtv.com and maybe you uh, uh, don't have time right now because you're in the middle of office work but as soon as lunch rolls around get right back here and watch the main event you can watch it on demand it'll always be there for you and then ios gets underway izzy on sports at one o'clock today um this one, this one hurt. This is one of those games in versus Vegas where you get the game wrong, but you're so wrong it should count as two. <laughs> I took Anaheim yesterday minus the one and a half, and I was I was straight out telling you I might be wrong on the one and a half. I'm doing it for the sale. The juice was incredible. It was plus one seventy. But I had no doubt Anaheim was going to win. I just didn't like the juice on uh, on Anaheim straight up on the money line. So, I told you, they're going to cover the one and a half. At least I thought they were. I knew Anaheim was going to win. 
Anaheim didn't cover because they didn't win. Columbus, they barely won by three goals. <laughs> it was seven to four. Columbus wins. So a bad team on the back end of a back-to-back smashes. And Anaheim has been bad for a long time, but they were just starting to play a little better over the last month. Now they get to take advantage of what happens. Since you're a weak team and Columbus is terrible, for the first time all year, Anaheim went into a game thinking, hey, we're at least better than them. Oh my gosh, you're still the Ducks. You're still Anaheim. You still suck. I mean, wake up. How would you ever take for granted playing anybody in the NHL? They lose 7-4. to four. My family gets embarrassed. We lose $5. Ugh. So I go 0-1 on the day. Overall record at 11-13, 977, and 9 right now is the overall record. We got two games that we like tonight. We're going to go with two games tonight. And yes, sorry, Bobby, I am going for blood money. I am going for blood money today. Game number one, Toronto just came from Tempe. Not a long trip, but I think Vegas is too good to have to play them on a back end of a back-to-back. I'm going to take some bad juice, so this could hurt if I'm wrong. But I'm going to take the Golden Knights on the money line tonight. And I know how good Toronto is. But with Toronto on the back end of a back-to-back and you're playing a great team, I'm going to take Vegas. So I'll take the Knights uh, on the money line tonight. And then I'm just not seeing it from ASU. I see a splintered team. When you lose by 45, a true competitor, like this should be an easy game tonight, and I mean that. ASU, it's a little bit of a matchup problem for for ASU to match up with Washington, but if you were just rating talent, I would say Arizona State has more talent than UW. Therefore, when you come off of a 45-point beatdown, any team with heart that has more talent would annihilate UW. The smart play is to say UW gets crushed tonight. I'm saying not only does UW not get crushed tonight, I'm saying they cover the two and a half. I don't like to take on kids. They're kids, 18, 19, 20, 21. I don't see any heart right now. I see a bunch of kids that are worried about the draft, which makes me laugh because I don't know why any of them think they have a bona fide future in the NBA right now. Maybe they learn their lessons. Maybe they mature. Maybe they get better and they come up their way through the G League. They come up their way through Europe and they get back to the NBA. Like like you look at a P.J. Tucker. You look at guys like that that have been able to, uh, to to bounce all the way back. You look at a campaign who was actually a first-round pick and then fell on his face and battled his way back. If one of the ASU players do that, then yes, maybe they get a future in the NBA. But with the way that they play selfish and lazy basketball right now, they actually think that they should be worried about trying to impress NBA scouts? Why don't you just start by playing hard? And that goes for just about everybody other than Frankie Collins. So I look at a splintered team. I'm going for blood money tonight. I'm rooting for ASU, but I'm picking UW minus the two and a half. This should be, like I said, a no-brainer. I hope ASU embarrasses me. I hope they prove me wrong and just smash UW and show some heart. But gosh, how does that happen against U of A? That's that's just a bit. I'm not talking about losing. How do you play the number four team in the country and not get back on defense? How do you, they, you would think, even if it's not a rivalry, even if it's a non-conference game that you've flown across the country, 
You're unranked. They're the number four team in the country, and you play uninspired? You, it's too much to ask for you to get back on defense. It's too much to ask for you to get on the floor. It's too much for you to, to ask to actually cut to the basket and try to create yourself to get an opening. Because just because you don't believe the other guy's going to pass it, so you don't hustle. I mean, th- they're playing gutless basketball right now, and then I'm expected to believe in them. No way. So I got Vegas on the money line tonight over the Leafs, who are on the back end of the back-to-back after coming up from Tempe, and I got the Huskies minus the two and a half and uh, and beating ASU. I'm going to say by by six. I, I like I, I like UW winning in a reasonably high-scoring game. I'll, well, no, I should say high-scoring because ASU doesn't shoot well. So I'll, I'll I'll take it like 74-68 will be uh, will be my score. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I can't wait to see you out there. While we were on the air today, Sweet Lou. Uh, sent me a text saying, "Hey, let me know if I uh, uh, if I've missed anything." He he posted all of the tea times while we were on the air. So if you go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com, you're gonna see your tea time right now. Give me a second. I might want to tweak something. I'm going to let him know. But if you want to cheat sheet, you can go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com right now and get ahead of it. Don't forget happy hour tomorrow, 5 o'clock to at least 7. I'll be at Trophy Bar, and a lot of golfers are coming over there as well. So if you can't make breakfast at 1030, if you can't make the tea time, if you can't play golf with us from noon to 130, still a sanctioned event. I want to see you out at Trophy Bar on Queen Creek. Got a lot of good conversation about Burrito Express today. Man, does that sound good. How about that, Jeff? We're a production. Let's get some Burrito Express right now. That would be a pretty good idea. Bell's Nashville Kitchen has the best sandwich in all of Arizona, the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. And can I be crazy? I'll, I don't know if you want to call it the best salad you've ever had. That might be me getting a little facetious. But for me, it's one of the best salads I ever had. That chicken tender salad is, is incredible that they have. When you get the mother clucker sauce, the iceberg wedge and the great blue cheese man that's fantastic parker and sons heating cooling plumbing and electrical is the place to go for all of those needs the main event is where you go next i'll see you tomorrow